0: Hello and welcome to episode 112 of shoulder to shoulder podcast telling stories from the LAFC community match by match fan by fan story by story. This week we are joined by Connor colopsis of 110 Football. He's going to tell us how such a young man has created a media empire around the black and gold. Joining us as our opponent correspondent this week will be Michael Citro. He is the managing editor of The Mainland on SB Nation. You can follow them at the mainland, main spelled M-A-N-E, like a lion. Because of course, we're going to be talking about Orlando City S C, L A F C's upcoming opponent. But first and foremost, let me introduce my co-host. As always, Christopher Signs and Christian Aparicio. Gentlemen, good evening and welcome.
1: What's going on, family? What's going on? Black and gold. Happy to be back. Happy to talk about LAFC, their victory, and uh, also some international World Cup
2: qualifying international break so we got to recap that last match ramping up to beating orlando fc hopefully this weekend there was a huge crowd that went to see the u.s mens national team let's hope that doesn't get replicated on the weekend when we're there and there's a loud 32 52 contingent as always
0: so first and foremost gentlemen why don't we go ahead and dive into our match versus the vancouver whitecaps so lafc defeat the whitecaps three to one so as we get into the match I want some opening thoughts on what you guys thought on the starting 11, because we had a very unique starting 11 for this game. Kellen Acosta played right back for us. And did that strike you as crazy as it struck me when you first saw that opening lineup come out?
1: I think that we've seen Kellen Acosta play in that wing back position previously for Colorado and for Dallas. So I don't know if it was necessarily so shocking to where it's like, oh, I've never seen this before. But I think that Him having that as an opportunity, plus we just did have the transfer of Kim Moon-Hwan, and I would say that it's a comfort to know that we have that as uh, an availability
2: in our wheelhouse. Was it strange to see for us? Yeah, I know that. To what Chris is saying, he's played it in the past. He can do well, but I do think his talents are wasted there, obviously. Uh, There's so much more that he gave in the middle of the park, but with an injury to a right back, with Moon leaving, I don't think... Tarundula had much of a choice other than to put Kalen there and sacrifice some of um, the stability that we've seen in the previous matches with Kalen in the middle of the park. But we'll talk this, about this more. I think he was serviceable, but obviously different and maybe not as efficient on that side for him.
0: So Philly and I were racing back from Tijuana right when the starting 11 came out. I actually showed up at about the 15th minute to the game because We were broadcasting games from Chihuahua over the weekend and flew from Chihuahua to Guadalajara to Tijuana and then hopped in the car and drove from Tijuana straight to the bank, coming back from doing some MASL broadcasting south of the border. So we saw the starting lineup come out as we were driving. And my first thought was just Vancouver plays three at the back. So we're going to play three at the back. And whoever put the graphic together simply listed Kellen Acosta as being a defender because that's the way their you know, 4-3-3 three, three is sort of built, and they didn't realize that we were going to play three at the back. And so that was my assumption going into it. But obviously, as you can see throughout the course of the game, uh, we still played a primarily four-at-the-back system, but I do think we had the benefit of playing against a team that only had three at the back. I'm not exactly sure Acosta would play that exact same role if we were playing a team that had a traditional four-back system. And I think that sort of benefited... The decision-making process, but it was definitely uh, startling to see. And for those who who made it to the game on time, you might have been startled in the 12th minute when none other than Tristan Blackman finds the back of the net. And all of a sudden, LAFC are looking down the scoreline, short 1-0 just after 12 minutes. However, I have a slight gripe because I am thoroughly convinced that goal was offsides. And I'm curious if if you guys felt the same way in in either catching replays or video of the event. Did, did you think he was on sides for that goal?
1: I haven't really taken a look at it, right, to be honest. But now that you mention it, you look back at it and it was a, a rebound goal that he had just gotten. He was in the right place at the right time. And, and it literally fell in his lap and he was able to just kind of chip it into an open net. But that is if it really was something that was offsides, it, I don't recall if that goal ended up even going back to VAR for review, but uh, you know, if it had, and it did go back for review, they ended up calling it a goal anyway. So say vie, you know, and I think that Christian was the one that called a three, one victory with Tristan Blackman scoring or was, Oh no, that was you. Jonathan. It was Jonathan. You yeah.
0: Wilton, Wilton, can you roll the clip please? <laughs> So right now is the moment where Wilton is going to cut in me predicting a 3-1 final scoreline, along with Tristan Blackman being the only one who would score for the Vancouver Whitecaps. I'm going to go ahead and say that the Whitecaps get one goal, and it's going to be off the head of Tristan Blackman. I think Tristan Blackman finds the back of the net on a corner for one goal for them. I think we are going to get three goals, and I do think the game finishes three to one. Uh, and we're back. Thank you. I will go ahead and take that one to the bank, gentlemen. You're welcome. It only took me 112 episodes, but I finally nailed the prediction.
2: I was fortunate enough to watch it from home. It's a school night on a Sunday with a toddler who was already recovering from a cold. and yeah, I got another cold the week after. But anyway... I digress. At first, at a glance, yeah, I thought he looked outside and honestly, the replays at home, there wasn't enough evidence to overturn it, which is, you know, I think the right way to do VAR. I think it was clever the way they restarted the free kick. It caught us off guard and it did give me a little bit of a sinking feeling in comparison to 2020 and 2021 where we went down. It was a set piece and our like demeanor went down after that, but it didn't feel like that. Straight off when we kicked off uh, thereafter. So I'll let you talk a little bit more about the, the free kick before I move on to the positives in terms of the reaction after the goal.
0: So there were some complaints from members of the team that the whistle wasn't blown to let the free kick officially start. And then obviously there was a bit of trickery by Vancouver by having one person set up over the ball and then a separate player coming in, you know, last minute to sort of, which, I mean, happens from time to time. But you've got to be ready on set pieces. And it looked yeah. like we were caught napping slightly.
2: On the whistle part, like, I don't think he raised his hand, which is when a referee has his hand raised, it means that, wait for the whistle. So, and I don't think the white caps asked for a wall or to slow it down. So they were coy in terms of, Acting like it was in one of these normal plays where you're going to ask for the whistle, but it was never asked for LAFC didn't disrupt enough where they had to get pushed off to set up a wall. So they took advantage of the moment for sure. And I think LAFC learned a valuable lesson that they were able to overcome.
0: Yeah, you got to be smarter. You got to be ready in those moments because, you you know, that's exactly the kind of time in which teams that are viewed as the underdog or looking up at opponent that on paper looks better are going to look to capitalize on situations like that. And lesson learned, uh, thankfully, it, it, spoiler alert, did not cost us any points. So we move on uh, about 15 minutes later. We have the first goal of the season for perennial goal scorer. Ryan Hollingshead didn't see that one coming, but he puts in a header off a beautifully placed ball from Vela and boom, score is tied. So we'll we'll get a little bit more on Holling's head in a moment. If if we saw him as an unlikely goal scorer in the first moment, well, just wait. Followed up there towards the end of the first half, we have Carlitos doing Carlitos things. He gets an assist from Quadwo Mahala Opoku and finds LAFC the lead, which they would not surrender in the 38th minute. We advance into the second half and a game that had gotten a little physical, a little scrappy at this point ball starts ping-ponging around the box in the 77th minute. And who else steps up but the reincarnation of Cristiano Ronaldo, Ryan Hollingshead, to fire on his off foot a right-footed hammer into the back of the net, and boom, it is to 3-1, smooth sailing from there on out. So before we get into anything else that happened on this game, what are your guys' thoughts on our goal-scoring machine, Ryan Hollingshead.
1: I think that it is another big presence on the back line. And I think that uh, it's it's going to do us well in the long run down in the dreary days of summer. And as we come close to the end of the season, having those presences and having people like Mamadou Fall and Hollingshead in the back line and being able to be there for set pieces and things like that, they're going to require teams to give them attention and it'll either open up other players or it will just continue to work to our to where we have those people and opportunities to score when we need it most.
2: I think Hollingshead is just charity on the cake at this point because we got him for stability for being able to either be a starter or be able to play on the right or left, rotational piece. You know, perennial starter up until he got to LAFC didn't start that way in the season. But I think now Cheeky's going to have a difficult time getting his starting spot back especially if he's doing his job on the defensive end and then being able to score. The first one I liked because the guy was trying to climb all over him. He just held him off and was able to direct the header in the top corner. The second one, which is, you know, just shows the different skill sets that he has. He can pass well, he can obviously head the ball, but I hadn't or didn't expect him to be able to lace the ball like that. Off of a semi-volley uh, there on the first time, first hop, you know, perfect technique. And uh, I just think he has the momentum. He's going to be able to to kind of hopefully bring this into the Orlando match and uh, be a presence on set pieces like he did there offensively, but also defensively. I think he's going to bring a lot of character and bring a stability moving forward so that we have a really, really successful campaign into a top four, top two kind of season for us.
0: So Hollingshead finds himself a brace in 196 games he played in the MLS prior to this. He had 18 goals, never scored more than one goal in a game. And here in game number 197, he finds his 19th and 20th career MLS goals and finds his first ever brace. And of course, that awarded him some Team of the Week honors. So hats off to Ryan Ronaldo Hollingshead. Some fantastic, fantastic stuff. How many times throughout the course of watching any game of football, do you see that defender step up to collect a ball at the top of the box and just fire it 40 rows up into the stands? You never expect them to take that shot and put it on frame, let alone with the kind of force and angle that Ryan put that ball on net, you know, maybe it was because he'd already found the back of the net once he was just feeling it. Maybe he just caught it perfectly at the perfect moment. But I think in those situations, 99 times out of a hundred, you're expecting the ball to, to miss the net by wide margin. Um, And the fact that, you know, he didn't lean back, he kept his weight, right. Was able to get that ball on frame to me, you know, speaks wonders to the veteran presence that he is and, and speaks to this roster build as a whole. You know, I mean, so many times when it came to our role players, uh, they did not step up when it came to moments like this throughout the course of the last couple seasons for LAFC. We were relying solely on our star power to do star power things, and our role players really struggled. And so far for LAFC this season, something that makes it very different, I think, from our previous four seasons is what we are getting out of role players and the fact that it is the whole team and the whole squad that are really putting these numbers out there. It's the Quadwo Mahalo Pocos. It's the Ryan Hollings heads of the world that are coming in and being stars in games. People that very few people at the beginning of the season predicted big things from. And I love absolutely all of that. Of course, uh, we would be remiss if we did not talk about Vela and Vela scoring his goal. He is now in a four-way golden boot tie. So Vela in the running for golden boot as well, too. And then uh, something that, that kind of fell by the wayside in this match as well is that Kellen Acosta became the 181st player in MLS history to get. 200 starts so congrats to Kellen Acosta on his 200th game before we move on to other news and notes gentlemen do you have any final thoughts on our game versus the Vancouver Whitecaps oh I completely forgot perhaps the most touching and beautiful thing that came out after the fact that uh, I certainly didn't hear anything about during the game but Tristan Blackman had his own custom Mofacio Forza Mo armband that he made for this match the fact that Tristan still looks to honor our dear friend Mo and remembered that this was the anniversary of his passing, I think, you know, speaks volumes about Tristan Blackman as as a character and as a person, and, and I thought that was a beautiful, touching moment.
2: Game-wise, my final thought is just as I said that Hollingshead probably got a stronghold on that starting left-back position. I think it's going to be a little difficult to sit Mahala down right now, so I think chicho really has to show in practice that he is the starting number nine because it's been four games where mahalo starts the results have been good goals have been coming i think the some of the directness or his approach or the way he takes players on dribble creates havoc creates created the carlos bella goal even though he didn't get the assist because it was off a rebound i don't think anyone is playing as aggressively and direct on the front three, including Raito, although his demeanor and his approach is better this year and he is creating havoc. I think Mahala has a little bit of a step on him or he has been at least more effective or more productive this year so far. I think,
1: first of all, I want to touch on the Tristan Blackman. I think that that was a super class act, classy move, especially it's fortuitous the day that Tristan comes back into the bank. It's also a very important day for us. Uh, and the 3252 community. So I thought it was a very ideal moment for that. And to echo what Christian was saying, I do think that it is, there are a lot of players that we are looking to see who is going to come out as the lead for the starting 11. And this is a good problem to have. There's a lot of depth and a lot of players are going to have to step up in the right places in order to supplant, as it were, the players that are that are in those positions, right? Uh mohalla is doing very well, performing very well. And I think that Chicho brings a different element to it. But as it is, you know, what's working right now, the hot hand is currently Raito, Vela and Apoku. And I think that having Chicho Rongo come in as kind of like a Diomande role where you bring him in for the last 30 minutes and he's just an aggressive, strong center forward body I think that that is going to be something that if we utilize in the right way could be extremely beneficial and it'll be exciting to watch.
0: Speaking of Dio I saw a picture of him hanging out in Qatar with Rich Orosco of all people so hmm perhaps a a Dio reunion is in the works with uh, Rich Orosco playing the role of assistant general manager as he is out in Qatar for some World Cup responsibility. So I thought that was, uh, that was an interesting thing. Uh, with regards to our, our dear friend and the dearly departed Mo, there has been an announcement of a fund in order to create the Mauricio Facio Memorial Futsal Court, which is going to be built uh, somewhere in Southeast LA. The exact location has not yet been released. But anyone looking to donate to that can reach out to www.lafc.com forward slash mo-fascio. That's M-O-F-A-S-C-I-O. I know we are going to see a number of SGs and organizations putting forth charity events and charitable items to help raise money for the futsal court. Word on the street is that there needs to be about $230,000 raised to get this court built and we simply cannot rely on corporate sponsors to put forth the majority of that when many of their obligations have already been spoken for so uh D9U is going to be doing a number of different things in order to raise money for the Mo Court, the first of which launched today at time of recording, which is the new edition of the District 9 Ultras Tequila in partnership with Tequila Huegos Mexicanos. D9U has already partnered with two different charities in the production of these bottles. They're working with a youth male gang task force down in Jalisco and another charity of -of out-of-work single mothers in order to produce this tequila. Uh, but they have also announced that they're going to be donating a portion of the proceeds of those bottles to Moe's court. If you're looking for any information about how to Buy yourself one of the three different tequilas that D9U has released. Head over to the District 9 Ultra's social media, and you'll see where you can acquire one of those beautiful bottles of tequila, of which I have to admit I am sipping on the Reposado right now. As the person who put this entire project together for D9U, we released our first batch of white tequila last year went over swimmingly it's a beautiful bottle of tequila really fantastic charities involved in in the production of this bottle and uh i have to say um hats off to the people at tequila Huegos mexicanos because uh they have produced us a phenomenal tequila and this reposado i'm sipping on right now is some sensational stuff so by all means um Check those out if you are one who partakes of the tequila. If you are not that type of person, you can make donations directly to the court with the link we just mentioned, or be on the lookout. There are a number of other charitable opportunities to participate in the Mofacio Memorial Futsal Court coming up soon. So more on that coming up. In additional news, LAFC announced a schedule change. Uh, So the game against DC United... That was originally scheduled for Wednesday, August 17th, has been rescheduled, not from a Wednesday, but to a Tuesday. So uh, still a midweek game. Unfortunately, it is now going to be happening on Taco Tuesday as opposed to Hump Day. So I, I really don't think that changes a whole lot. I was really hoping it would be rescheduled to a weekend game. I think we miss Friday night and Saturday games. Uh, a lot of Sunday night and midweek night games are not everyone's favorite things. But again, that match versus D.C. United at Bank of California, rescheduled from Wednesday, August 17th to Tuesday, August 16th. Other than that, we've had some sweet U.S. men's national team performances this week. Chris, you're you're our resident U S flag wave and national team supporter along with myself. You want to go ahead and uh, give these fans hey, Christian. Come on. You're all El Salvador. I'm, I'm not buying that for a second as he's wearing the, El Salvador. He's wearing <laughs> the El Salvador
1: kit on the screen. So
2: Man, I'm could... hoping El Salvador meets Mexico so that, you know, they have a tough time. That's what I'm talking about. You know what?
1: I, I was listening to the American soccer show on Sirius XM FC. And I forget the name of the, the host of that show. But he made a very good point that a lot of the players on the El Salvador team are American. And for them, even though, yes, they represent El Salvador, they probably would have preferred to have represented the United States. At some point in their life, they had considered representing the United States. And they still want to see the United States win. And even though El Salvador is not going to be able to make the World Cup they can still ruin it for Mexico, right? They can still be there and give them a hard time. And Mexico is definitely not playing the best football that they have historically played in the past. And uh, so I think that there is a little bit of that motivation for those players. Christian Roldan's little brother, Alex Roldan, Josh Perez, former LAFC player. There's a number of players that, that are representing El Salvador uh, in the match this, uh, this upcoming Wednesday that, have american roots and might have worn the red white and blue at some point in their life so it'll be an interesting dynamic to see that's how i
2: approach me rooting u.s men's national team unless they're playing el salvador even though i know el salvador lose but always u.s men's national team dude this this jersey though honestly i wore it because it was given to me by family and uh, i was hoping this weekend they they won to make it tough on the top or third and fourth place but we still have a, the ability to spoil. I was hoping Honduras also drew or beat Mexico. So whoever listens out there and some Mexico national team, it's just like they haven't suffered. The US has suffered, Canada has suffered, El Salvador hasn't been in since eighty-two, Costa Rica might not make it, Panama might not make it. So I think Mexico deserves a little awakening. Look at Italy. You know, not everyone can make it every year.
1: Well, I think that Mexico is in the same boat as the United States, where it's like they would have to lose by yeah. a significant amount and that would be just to get the fourth place spot i i think that yeah the, they go to oceana
2: and they're, they're gonna go right so, no you know what. so
1: Mex- mexico yeah. and the united states are going you know
0: i hey, mean hey I, don't rule out the all Bro. rights of team new zealand oh. come on now
2: <laughs> um, uh, i just like the i mean i, I watched the football picante dude they're having the kind of meltdowns after a oh, no-known draw and Tata out the whole stadium. So they, I just like to remind our listeners who are Mexican-American or Mexican that in the U.S., this sport is top three or four. And in Mexico, it's everything. So it kind of sucks when you can't perform as well as the United States.
0: And you're let's making, be honest. You're making you're not
1: enemies, bro. Making enemies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the U.S. should have beat Mexico. I mean, Pulisic and Pifuuk both had wide-open looks. I mean, how they both missed both of those shots is astounding. Uh, both of them should have been in. Should have been two nil USA. Should have been, at least had one of those go in and been been one nil USA. And we should have walked away with Mac from you know Azteca with three points. But uh, Chris, why don't you give us a rundown on on the U.S. men's national team versus Costa Rica?
1: So this Wednesday, the U.S. is going to be playing Costa Rica March thirtieth, six oh five Pacific time, and you can watch it on Paramount Plus, Universio CBS Sports Network. The U.S. men's national team will qualify to go to the World Cup in Qatar if they lose 5-0 to zero, or if they win or tie. If they were to lose, they can't lose by any more than six goals. And then they will essentially then be dropped to the fourth place. Unless, of course, if Mexico also loses and then that throws a dynamic in. But Canada has already qualified. They're sitting in the number one seat. So congratulations to Danielle Henry and Max Carpeau and former LAFC player, Mark Anthony K. you know, that's uh, really cool to see. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I think it, it was 1986 was the last time the Canada had qualified for the world cup. So it's, you know, several generations of players haven't gotten this opportunity. And Alfonso Davies was uh, streaming on Twitch during the match. And, you know, he got very emotional and, and rightfully so. It'll be exciting to see Canada is a very electric club right now, well, a very electric team. And it's it's um it's definitely going to be entertaining to watch and seeing seeing more than just two nations from North America be represented on uh, at a global level is going to be a lot of fun.
0: I'm just praying the United States does not draw Germany in its group again. Because those are my two teams, and it seems like they always end up drawing each other in the group stage. I think it's happened the last two or three World Cups that the United States has been in. They've drawn Germany. So please... Please, FIFA, put them in different groups so I I don't have to divide my allegiances. But uh, with that, I I think we're pretty much wrapped up on our news and notes, and we're ready for the interview portion of today's show. So we will be right back with Connor Kalapsis of 110 Football. You can, of course, follow them at 110 Football. And if you're not watching those pre- and post-game shows and all the other great content put out by 110 Football, shame on you because they're doing some fantastic stuff. So we will be right back with Connor Kalapsis after this.
1: What's up, y'all? It's Xolo Maridueña, Miguel Diaz from Cobra Kai, and uh, you're listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. All right, and we're back. And this week, ladies and gentlemen, we have a guest. And you might have seen this guest around the bank, before matches, after matches, on your television, on your YouTube channels, or even in social media. We have Mr. Connor Colopsis, a.k.a. Mr. LAFC Universe, who is now... Bingo. One ten football. He is an actor that you also would have seen on some television. He was on Days of Our Lives, on the television show Outmatched, the television show Grinder. And he has a new movie coming out called The Prank that he just helped to market and advertise at South by Southwest. We're going to get into that. Uh, and of course, you know, the biggest thing for the LAFC community, his biggest contribution to the black and gold family is he's a co-producer and co-host of the one ten football show. At 110 football, if you're not following it, I don't understand how you are not trying to get your content from there because they bring it all the time. They are in cahoots with the club. They have Max and they have Vince. And they have Philly and Scarf and Jessica. I mean, there's so many good people on there. And we're just really glad to have you, Connor. So welcome, man.
3: Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you probably see me around somewhere. I don't know whether it is at the bank or, or on your phone.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it is definitely a story we want to get into here about those humble beginnings and how you started and how it's become and blossomed into the social media and content producer that you are today. But uh, before we get into it, let's actually start from these beginnings. And for our listeners who may not be the most familiar with your work, why don't you give us just a very brief overview of your career and some of the projects that you've worked on? Yeah. Well,
3: let me say, first of all, I have yet to to have like a good conversation with the two of you. So I'm like really excited to be having that. First of all, as uh, you guys have said, I'm Connor Kalopsis, founder and host of 110 Football. Yeah, you really hit everything. I'm an actor as well. I've done roles in in multiple TV shows, ma- mainly with Fox TV shows, The Grinder and Outmatched being them, sitcoms, and then Days of Our Lives, which is a soap opera. And then I was just at South by Southwest in Austin promoting my film, The Prank.
2: How did that all get started? At a young age, is that something you were interested in or just kind of fell into it? Did someone identify you, an agent? It's like, hey, did you ever want to try out for a part?
3: Yeah, it actually kind of happened by accident. I'm from Canada originally. I don't know if you can see the the big flag on my wall, if that gives it away. You know, my mom went, I don't know, I was like maybe six or seven. My mom was like, it's a cute kid. I want, I want him to start modeling, right? And I was like, okay, mom, I'm like seven. What am I going to do? Say no, right? And so it was just like a an extracurricular that she wanted me to do. And one of the only modeling agencies within London, Ontario, the, the small city, 300,000 population, not tiny, but small enough where I'm from, talked to them, wanted me to do stuff. And there was this convention in Toronto called CMTC Canadian modeling and talent convention. And I went, I did some acting stuff, did some modeling stuff. And there was like little competitions. And that's where I met my first talent manager and agent. And uh, I started doing auditions, started booking roles remotely from Toronto and then coming here to to L.A. to to shoot them, obviously. And yeah, and then my family was moving out here to Los Angeles for many other reasons. We wanted to move to a bigger city and, and my dad did some work in, in the U.S. So we were able to just move to Los Angeles. And me acting was one of the catalysts to make that move. So now I'm here, did high school here, did middle school here, and and now I'm acting too.
1: What ignited your love and passion for the beautiful game?
3: FIFA 14. That was it. I got into
1: soccer late. I was not a big fan of sports
3: growing up. I have to be honest. I wasn't part of a football family. My 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 parents, my grandparents, no one really has a football team and so I remember going over to my friend's house one day. They had FIFA 14 and I started playing it. There was a team called Toronto FC and I was like, "Oh, that's cool. I'm close to Toronto. I'll play as Toronto FC." And that was really that's when the floodgates opened with uh the consumption of soccer content. Like many people my age get into soccer via FIFA. And uh, that's when I just started falling in love with it. You just start consuming everything, whether it's score lines, players, just content all the time. And it was just my favorite thing that I fell in love with it. And here we are now.
2: Not only do we see, or do we see on your wall for those that are listening, the Canadian flag, but also the Greek flag. And that's probably mm-hmm. where your last name comes from, correct?
3: It is. That's my dad's side, my, my grandma's side.
2: Is he a proud kind of steward of the Greek football tradition, that defensive hard nose, or is it more of Canada? Obviously, what the recent uprising and their success is there kind of that dichotomy at home you
3: know I'd like to say yes but really no because as I mentioned before my family's not really a football family and I've started to get that I'm really the one getting them into it not not vice versa I'm just glad that I have two national teams to support and the third being the U.S. men's national team so I like at least one of them hopefully will make the world cup each year so for sure
2: no that's that's the truth and you said you grew up here in LA I guess for the most part or maybe from your teenage years onward So when you came to LA, you obviously probably experienced, or I'm sure you experienced a strong football tradition. And did you ever start playing here at all?
3: Yeah. So again, I started late. So I was never good because the physical physique of like a 12 year old kid, I'm like super skinny, really slow and that's fine. I'm good with that. But uh, I really wanted to play soccer in middle school never played any like sports. And so there was this team called LASC at the time, Los Angeles Soccer Club. This was before LAFC was a thing. And, you know, coming coming from Canada, I went from like, you know, a a private school in Canada to a a public school in Los Angeles. And that's that's not the worst thing, but it was a big culture shock for me at the time. And then I started playing for this club team and I was the only white kid. That was like the first experience I ever had being the only like white person in a setting. And like I said, that's not a bad thing. But for me at the time, Big culture shock. And then that's when I really started getting into LA soccer as a whole. LASC inevitably became LAFA, uh, Los Angeles United Football Academy, which um, I've been a part of. It's in in my heart. I was there since the beginning and it's grown to be one of the biggest academies in Southern California. And yeah, and now I'm also in love with LASC. It's great.
1: Speaking of your love for LAFC uh, and you know, around that time, FIFA 14 LAFC that was announced in October of 2014. How did you first find out about LAFC?
2: I
3: remember being in middle school and some kids wearing like these black hoodies with the LAFC logo on it. And I just, to my knowledge at the time, I was like, the galaxy was the only team. And so I was like, what is this LAFC team? You know, that's really cool. Cool colors too. Black and gold. So I, I, I could rock that. I could rock black and gold. And then for me, the first, like, the when the radar went off was when Steven Betashore uh, right back of then MLS Cup champions Toronto FC who whom I followed signed with the club on a free and so that was actually the first signing. It wasn't Diego Rossi. It wasn't Carlos Vela. It was uh, Steven Bateshore <laughs> on, on a free that was like, oh, this team has actually got some like good, uh, good, well-rounded players and a pretty deep squad. And then I, and then I started watching from there.
2: Well, for those that have been following the club from the first season and social media, they may remember you from at LAFC universe, putting oh, out yeah. content from back then. So, you know, talk talk us through what, you know, gave you the motivation to do that and then how it evolved into what it is today once in football.
3: Like I think most of us were all LAFC fans. And so when LAFC first started, you know, I was just trying to find a way to practice and really have fun with my creative thoughts. Right. And so Instagram was the the social media page that i i use the most and lafc was the soccer team that i love the most so i was like oh why don't i make like an account and then i can interact with fans have some fun talk about the games and that was just a, a place for me to speak my opinion voice for all things lafc and it was really fun at the time lafc universe and then jerry reynoso whom I met through LAFC universe coined, I think the slogan, a universe is bigger than a galaxy. And we never really got to use that slogan, which is obviously a dig at the Los Angeles galaxy. We never got to use that slogan because then we, we had never rebranded, but, uh, no, LFC Universe was really fun. It was an Instagram account, and I got to interact with a lot of cool people.
2: What was the catalyst to changing it to 110 football and what it is today? How did that evolve after the idea of changing the name?
3: So, as we evolved from like an Instagram fan account to a podcast, just myself, and then a podcast show hybrid with Jerry So who I hope and assume you guys know and love.
1: Of course, the uh, LA Saga, right? Jerry LA Saga. And- And we had, we actually did have Jerry. He was our last interview in person that we've actually done on this show. COVID hit. It was Jaime Camille. And then it was Jerry and his mom who they graciously came down from Long Beach to Christian's new house in Reseda. And that was our last in-person interview that we'd had pre-COVID.
3: Love Jerry's mom, by the way, his whole family. They're such such Amazing. amazing people. Shout out to the Reynoso's. Uh, if you're listening, but yeah, and then when we were scaling up from that, that show to the the kind of web series, it is now we wanted to have really what it comes down to is we wanted to have a name that wasn't associated directly with LAFC for like copyright reasons. So we wanted to find a name that was similar to the LAFC brand. And that being one ten, the one ten freeway. There was me and actually Jerry sitting down in a room playing like songs that were like from Los Angeles and from LA artists. We're trying to like think about like what what name should we should we name it? And then one ten football was was what we ended up naming it.
1: So what you're saying is that Rich Roscoe sat down and had the Marx conversation with you about uh, the the branding and the naming that, rights. You know what's you, funny is that actually came up before rich
3: talked to us so we were we were actually thinking about it before and then as we started we talked to rich a little bit and then he was like yeah maybe you guys because we used to have the logo with uh the the wings in it as well i don't know if you guys I don't have anything with yeah, it on yeah. but no, we, we used actually, to have like a, yeah
1: we have jerry gave us a scarf right and uh the with the old school with the gold yeah. uh, with the purple and gold wings.
3: And so that, that was it because we named it once in football first and then we had the logo. So that was us already trying to be a little bit different. And then the wings are the biggest thing. It's like, you just can't use, especially if you're yeah. trying to monetize,
1: yeah, <laughs> you, you can't use someone else's,
3: uh, artwork marks.
1: Right. And that was, he's had that conversation with us too, where it's like, Hey, you know, Rich. you. Can- He's a hey man. He's looking out for us, right? You know, you are an actor. You had been getting steady work. You had been on television shows. You know, what was it that made you want to get involved as a media personality for LAFC and and have that shift from just a a fan interactive social media account to more of this actual producing, developing content for a club?
3: Yeah, I think in a weird way, it kind of goes hand in hand with just like my growth as a human being. Look, I'm, I'm only 18. And when I started the account, I, mean, I was probably like 15, right? So as I've not only grown up as a person, but also as an actor being on camera a lot. And as much as I loved LAFC, I I, I really saw this as an a- opportunity to, to pursue something that I loved and something that I thought that I could excel at. And luckily I've, I've been able to have the platform to do so. And and I've really tried to, to utilize it ever since.
2: We've talked a bit about your contribution or media fandom and kind of putting output out there in terms of um, content, but as a fan, as a supporter, can you walk us through that first match? Uh, if I recall correctly, you were one of the uh, accounts out there documenting and showing uh, being able to go to the game and uh, having a glimpse into that experience. But from your eyes or what you can remember, how did that feel?
3: Are we talking about the first game ever or the first game at home?
2: First game ever.
3: First game ever. I was not there, but I will have a good story for you. Okay. I remember I was watching the game. I was, I was in this room. And I just had a shower, and so I was like half naked. TMI. I just got to nah, have to nah. really, really get you the, the picture. So you got to paint the picture. Yeah, I was there, and and this was this was still at a time when you know it's a new team. I I didn't know too too much about it. I, I was I didn't go to any of the the supporter events prior. This was all through the lens of someone who's seen it all virtually through social media pages and just word of mouth. So so I wasn't necessarily on the fence about LAFC, but it was still, you know, getting to know a new club. You don't know anything about it, right? And so I was more curious than excited that day. And I remember watching it. And when Diego Rossi scored the first goal, if you can imagine me running around my room half naked, that's really when I fell in love with the club was Diego Rossi's goal, me watching it here. And then after that goal, I was like, all right, this is it. No, this is, this is it.
1: I think that there was a lot of people that had the confidence and the Oh, I thought
2: you were uh, going to say they were half naked in the room watching it. So. No, there was a lot yeah, of people
3: I- in their rooms <laughs> half naked.
1: I mean, um, there might have been some people half, you know what, if you're without a shirt on, you're half naked, right? So there might have been some go. people half naked actually in Seattle getting down. Um, But no, I think that that was a lot of people. Like they weren't sure how an expansion team was going to look, especially against a team like Seattle that had been so established. And to see LAFC come out and for Diego to score that goal within the first 15 minutes of the match I think that it showed people that like hey we we have a team that is not going to take long to put up some type of entertaining football and I definitely I know that that was a moment for a lot of people that you know because there's that anxiety of how long is it going to take for us to get our first I mean look at Charlotte right they're documenting comments about Charlotte and how long it took for them to get their first goal and things like that And it's you know for us it wasn't that long it was 11 minutes and and it just it just continued to go and progress from there
3: and, and and for me the biggest thing with expansion clubs is for Charlotte it actually may work out in their favor that they got their first win and first couple goals a little bit later on so it kind of tempered their expectations a little bit but for LAFC you know you score your first goal beat a really good Seattle team now your expectations are set high and then you go to Real, uh, Real Salt Lake on the road and then you beat them 5-2 so so it wasn't just the fact that you won your first game against the Seattle Sounders is you set the bar high and you maintained that going into your first season. So, you know, I I, I loved it. And also the celebration when they did the little fly thing and everyone gave it, it was less so the goal itself. But I was like, there's Beta Shore, Latif, Blessing, Diego Rossi all there hugging each other. I was like, I like this team. This is my team. Yeah.
1: It was it was an amazing moment. And I and uh like you said, setting the bar high too, and then they followed up with the 2019 season, breaking a bunch of records, Carlos with his records, the supporters' shield. I mean, it was amazing. It was absolutely an amazing experience.
2: How about the first time you went into the bank? Like you, you saw 3252 in person. Was it that Seattle game? It at, was at that Seattle
3: game. It was that Seattle game. I wish I could go back and relive, not just that game, but Relive the experience of seeing the thirty-two fifty-two for the first time. Bringing people who have never been to an lafc game in their lives well, before—greatest, the
1: greatest, the greatest feeling. It's the
3: greatest feeling. It's the greatest feeling seeing the look on their face. Like, what are they? T- what? Whoa! Just seeing them go through all the the emotions of of experiencing what the thirty-two fifty-two is, and then some people getting to actually be in the thirty-two fifty-two and experiencing that for the first time. I couldn't fathom in Los Angeles that there were that many people that could band together. just not just have a good time, but have a good time over a soccer game in downtown Los Angeles. So it took, it was a little surreal at first. So it took a little bit to kind of really sink in. But like I said, I'll just go back to the, I wish I could just go back and experience seeing the 3252 for the first time again.
1: I bet you we all would actually, you know, because I don't think that we truly appreciated it the very first time that we actually saw it firsthand, you know, and now that we've seen it so much, it's still great for us. But I think that a lot of people would love to be able to go back and say, I wish I could remember what it was like the very first time. So in true entrepreneur fashion, you're not just an actor. You're not just a content producer. You're not just a co-host. You also do marketing and you're a grinder, bro. So tell us a little bit about what you do for ISMX. It is a marketing group that is in charge of La Nuncia, let me see if I get this right, CF La Nuncia and Los Cabos United, which are lower division teams in their respective countries. uh, Tell us how you got involved with that, what exactly it is that you do, a little bit about ISMX Group, and how our listeners might be able to participate if that's something they're interested in doing.
3: Yeah, so, so ISMX, first of all, ISMX Group International Soccer Management X is a full service sport talent agency and management consulting firm. They focus primarily in the world of soccer, because that's where everyone's expertise who works for ISMX is. I got involved through a man called Hugo Salcedo. Hugo, not only through decades of experience, has held very high executive positions in CONCACAF, in FIFA. Uh, He organized and facilitated numerous FIFA World Cups. He's Mr. Everybody, right? He knows everybody. And that's how the CF Lanusia and Los Cabos United came to be, but he was doing some work with Alpha and that's where I got introduced with him. And that's where I started beginning to work under him. And now uh, I'm in a very, very good position. So Flanusia and Los Cabos United, I do some marketing work for them. I do communications and and, and media as well for ISMX. And and it's been an amazing experience being able to, one, travel to Spain and Mexico respectively, and just kind of meet all these new people within the soccer world within the the marketing world and really just just start to excel in what I would say would be my first passion is the business side of of soccer.
1: And so, what is you know Los Cabos United and uh, CF La Nuncia are they lower division teams that are? I know that Los Cabos United is a new club based on their social media, but yep. La Nuncia looks like it's it's a club that's been around for a couple of years at least. And are they clubs that are looking to ideally climb? The competitive ladder and one day compete at a higher level.
3: So I'll just start with Lanusia. So for for both teams, the the the, the ownership group that owns ISMX Group also owns both teams. And so Lanusia is a third div, three B technically. So so last year they had a uh, because they halted relegation and promotion because of the pandemic. They had to split the third division in two. So Lanusia is technically in three B. And they are currently top of the standings with seven games left of the season. And if we keep our first place spot, we get promoted this season. So, La Nucia, Spain. It's on the east coast of Spain, Alicante province, just uh, beside Benidorm. And yeah, the, the, it's been a it's been a very fun club to, to to watch and and fall in love with. So, if you need a Spanish team to follow, La Nucia is your team.
2: Honor, hablas español.
3: Not yet. (laughs) I'm currently taking Spanish classes as now I'm realizing that, you know, for for a lot of people learning languages in high school, it's like, "Ah, I will not need this. I don't need, you know what I mean? And for my case now, it's like, oh no, I do need it (laughs) a lot. And then Los Cabos United is a brand new team, new franchise starting uh, this year. First game is in August. It is located in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. And, uh, It's a new franchise playing in a Liga Primera. So we're starting the Apertura season. So it's going to be fun.
2: I wonder if your accent is going to be Mexicano or Espanol.
3: What do you think? Some Catalan
2: in there? A little bit. Who knows? Who knows?
3: Close enough to Barcelona.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a man that has many tools is Mr. Connor Collapses. But, you know, let's let's get back to once in football. Tell tell us what goes into that show. The production value is fantastic the background, the set. It's just something, and you want to pull back the curtain, or I think Vince says it, or uh, break down that fourth wall every now and then. Break down could, that fourth wall. yeah. You know, and Jonathan, our other co-host, who is calling
1: a Ontario Fury match tonight, he's not able to be with us for the interview but he has been there and he has yes. been on your set for an episode and he said it's amazing. He said that the production value that goes in the professionalism, I mean, there's everything from grips to boom mic uh holders to makeup artists to I mean everything. Everything and every anything that you would ever expect to see on a professional set, it's there.
3: Yeah, and you you hit it right on the that it's it is a it's a real production. This isn't just another podcast this is a real full-fledged production through XRM media so just give you guys a little background break break that fourth wall a little bit as you may have seen if you've watched 110 football through or even new lafc universe way back when it started off as a, as a fan page instagram account turned into a, a podcast with myself and jerry right so and, and last year we through our production facilities at xray media in burbank california we were able to produce a 22 minute show which consisted of sketches analysis news highlights you name it in last year's to pull back the curtain last year's kind of goals were to through xrm really try to perfect what it is our capabilities were see if oh if we wanted to make a sketch do we have the capabilities can we do that can we can we make it good and, and we really wanted to try as many things as possible last season so we went to away games even we did live streams we did almost every form of content you could possibly imagine last season. We did it this year. It's a little bit different. We've kind of understood what we've perfected our craft in a way we've understood and kind of analyzed what does best for the audience. And we want this show to be the fans show, a fan show for the fans. And so we've really focused on the interactive element this year. So all shows that we do are all live. So not only do you have a cast, whether it's me, Vince LaRosa, Defenders of the Bank, Jessica Black, Max Bredos, you also have you guys, the viewers, the people who watch, they chime in, we talk to you guys. We we'll, we'll, At some points, we'll even bring fans on via Zoom and talk to them because this is a show for fans by fans. And as you may have also seen, we're kind of trying to scale out, expand a little bit through not just LAFC, but now we're doing a, an MLS show called The Expansion Mansion, which is, a I don't know, a silly name. And uh, starting on, I think it is April 28th, is our Angels Wear Boots. So that's going to be a full female panel of uh, Angel City fans talking with Angel City fans through the YouTube setting, all things Angel City FC. And then we do f- uh, Football Without Borders, which is our world football show talking about CONCACAF, International Breggs World Cup, you name it club football around the world that's starting march 31st so we have a lot of fun things in the works and uh as you said it's it's a real full production and we have a lot of amazing crew working behind the scenes that you don't see on camera all the time that really make the show what it is
2: breaking news there uh, some of the yeah. other shows, I I didn't know that that was coming yeah, on the pike.
3: Four four shows a week, and then we 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 cover the pre and post games for the games, and then for away games, we're doing a, that live. I don't know if you guys saw it for the Miami game. We do yeah. a, the watch along where you know maybe have some food, have some drinks, we can uh, watch the game with you guys.
1: Absolutely, it's and you know in this modern day too, mm-hmm. where social media and we're able to connect virtually. It's ideas like those that are net that are outside of the box or a little forward thinking that uh, are definitely going to help with that that sort of fan engagement. Like you said, a fan show by fans for fans. And it definitely helps that you have a supporting cast that everybody brings solid content and they have opinions and they have knowledge of the game to be able to support those opinions. Currently, again, on 110 is Vince La Rosa, who originally was a member of the social media and web team for LAFC in its first two seasons. He got hired on by you guys and brought him back, which we all here at this show love Vince. And we thought that was a great hire because Vince hashtag hire Vince. That's right. Hashtag. I think I am not say, I don't want to say we started that, but I definitely want to think that we hashtag hired Vince. There you go. That's right. And uh, of course there is the voice of the black and gold, Mr. Max Bredos. Everybody is familiar with him. He is on that show on a regular basis. Our good friends at defenders of the bank, Philly and scarf were on the pre and post game show last season. And now, I know that Philly is on the Expansion Mansion and he is also on LAFC 360 and Scarf will fill in when Philly is unavailable like he just did while Philly was in Mexico. And of course, you have Jessica Black, who uh, she had originally done the um, an Arsenal show, right? And then now yep. she now she comes in and does a little bit of the LAFC contributions too. So, you know, how was it that you were able to bring all of these people into the 110 fold?
3: Yeah, let me just mention on top of that, we've got the, the Angel City Chicks, who you guys may know uh amanda and nina yeah they'll fantastic. be joining us for our angel city fc show as well and on top of that we had uh, a guest host mariano trujillo on our show just the other day a former player joining the team and i won't say who but we have a couple other signings that will do like the little uh the you know the domestic mail thing that lafc does we'll do some 110 gifts for that uh coming very soon but to your question i think what it comes down to is just the mutual connections through the lafc fan base just talking a little bit about what we were mentioning earlier about, you know, this, this, this way to connect the, the reason we're doing this interactive kind of content is because it all started as, as a fan account, a, a way to interact with fans virtually. This was just me wanting to talk with like-minded people who liked LAFC as well. And, and and that's kind of been the continued message throughout the whole thing, because we're still doing that, you know, as the, the show has grown. And so through those connections that that I made, and friends, and even family, because the LAFC fan base is a family, I've gotten to know the Defenders of the Bank, I've gotten to know Vince LaRosa, and then through Vince, I knew Max, and, and it just kind of spirals out of control from there. But really, that's what it comes down to. And then on top of that, we, like I mentioned before, we have a really, really, really amazing crew that's working every day to not only uh, make the show look as good as it is, but also recruit the, the the best possible people we can find.
2: You've shared a lot of awesome, fantastic news that's coming down the pike here for 110 football, ACA FC's content, expansion, mansion, global. I like that, that you're going to start talking about with the World Cup coming. I'm sure there's oh, yeah. plenty of content around, you know, once we know who shakes out in terms of CONCACAF, Bowl, AFCON, UEFA, all of that. Of course, Canada is very likely, highly likely to probably get first place, which is, you know, something that wouldn't be expected a year ago. And, you know, big ups to them. You know, they they are one of the more solid teams in CONCACAF. Next man up is the philosophy, and they've been able to execute on that. And I think um, both the U.S. and Mexico has uh, them on notice, um, or they have them on notice, excuse me, because um, no one saw that coming uh, before that. But I want you to talk about the other things on the horizon beyond football. You were just at South by Southwest to promote a movie. Can you tell us about that movie, uh, The Prank, and when it's going to be released?
3: Yeah, so I star in a movie called The Prank. Um, It is about two teenagers who want to play a prank on their high school teacher for failing them uh, in their physics class. In doing so, that that prank is framing her for murder on social media. And it starts to spiral out of control. It's kind of it's a dark comedy with some very, very nice thriller elements. Uh, you guys may know the actress Rita Moreno. She plays um the teacher, she's 90 years old, Puerto Rican actress, one of the the um few people who have the you call them egots, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. Like who
1: what? She's nine years old was Rita Moreno, the one from West side story and yep, from West side uh, story. one day at a time, the the yep, story about the, the Cuban grandmother. Oh my gosh. I love, I love that. Uh, television um, show.
3: Yeah. So she's, she's phenomenal by the way. Like she doesn't one look a day over 90, but then on set she doesn't feel a day over 90. Like she's so energetic, so fun. She has a zest for life that I wish I have at 90. And if you guys have a chance to watch her documentary, the, the crap that she went through being a a woman from Puerto Rico at the time when she was trying to become an actress, um, just to even think about the obstacles that she had to overcome and to still be as optimistic as she is now um, really, really blows my mind. So great, great movie. We were in South by Southwest to to, to find a home for the movie. So we shall see soon. Uh, Hopefully we will uh, sell it and then uh, have a, have a home for it. And then I'll, I'll have more details on 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 when we we distribute it, but you can uh, follow me on social media for all
1: all the updates. Perfect. And you know, again, if you were interested in following Connor, it would be at Connor Kalopsis, C O N N O R K A L O P S I S. You can also follow him at One Ten Football for all of his LAFC content and. You know, we would just want to say thank you very much again, Connor, for coming on our show. It's definitely been something we've been looking forward to, to trying to get, you know, people that contribute to the LFC community. And we just want to say thank you again. And, um, you know, obviously, we have our final question. It's the name of our show and you might have been expecting it. Right. Because we ask everybody who comes on our show. But what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you?
3: I mentioned it a little bit earlier without saying the shoulder to shoulder thing but it means family coming to LA from Canada I've been to a lot of different sporting events here whether it's the Rams basketball games even hockey games LAFC is the only experience in LA where everyone is an LAFC supporter everyone is an LA fan and this is the first place where I felt like I was truly from LA without being from LA and LAFC as well as you guys have adopted that slogan and the name shoulder to shoulder and I think that that really encapsulates it right there. It's it's LA, it's family. And so for me, that's what it means.
1: Amazing, great answer. And I think that there's a lot of people that will identify with that and think and feel the same way. But again, Connor, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, guys. We look forward to seeing you at the bank, and we look forward to seeing what 110 football is going to continue to grow into this new ACFC show that's going to be coming on. For everybody who doesn't know how to watch the live broadcast, why don't you go ahead and let everyone know where they can find the link to your live broadcast and what time those live broadcasts are.
3: So the LAFC show, which is called LAFC 360, is on 110 football's youtube channel at 1 p.m every monday and then our mls show mls expansion mansion is at 4 p.m pacific time every monday and then our two new shows angels wear boots and football without borders will be every thursday come march and april the end of march and in the beginning of april and i just want to say thank you guys uh this was really fun hopefully at some point we can grab a bite to eat catch up
1: absolutely and uh With that, we'll be right back with our opponent correspondent for this week as they help us preview the match against Orlando City.
3: I'm Larry Friedman, and you're listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder
1: Podcast. All right, and we are back. And this week for our opponent correspondent, we have Michael Citro, who is the managing editor of The Mainland, which you can follow on Twitter at The Mainland, M-A-N-E-L-A-N-D. And that is part of the SB Nation coverage for Orlando City SC. So, Michael, thank you very much for coming on the show.
4: Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me.
1: Um, So before we dive into the upcoming match against Orlando City, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and the media outlet and and how you became a part of it?
4: Well, I am a writer. That's what I do for a living. Uh, I do a lot of public relations work, communications work, and I have some freelance writing I do on the side. But uh, I've been a fan of Orlando City since 2011 when they arrived as a USL team. They were taking on some EPL opponents that year in some friendlies over the summer, and I got to go to some of those, and I was hooked. Uh, The team was, you know, it was fun to watch. It was exciting. There was a fiery coach who uh, is Adrian Heath, who's now in Minnesota. And it, it was a good time to be out at the stadium and, and seeing the game. So I, I was hooked instantly. And when the team made the jump to MLS, I knew there wasn't an SB Nation blog yet for Orlando City. And I, I had some contacts at SB Nation. I was interested in doing a blog. And it was uh, it was something I just wanted to do as a hobby. It wasn't anything that I wanted to really get crazy about i didn't want to take on the risk of the you know the security i didn't want to take on the cost of the uh the hosting and all of the other various things that comes with it so it was perfect to get in with uh, sb nation and uh they didn't just accept me right out of the blue though they made me go through the process of of setting up a blog doing some writing and and uh there were some other blogs in in contention for that and then they they offered it to us we went uh, Went live as a free WordPress site in September of 2014, and then late November, early December, we made the move over to SB Nation. Uh, and that's that's basically it. It's where, where, uh, We've been there going strong uh, as long as the club's been in MLS
1: awesome you know and it's uh it's definitely something here at our show that we look to try and emulate from others that have gone and and shown that consistency and dedication you know it's us too we started this out as like a hobby and we're just trying to build traction and gain ground wherever we can so it's it's success stories like those that just keep us going
4: yeah it's uh it's it's been fun it's it sometimes can be a little bit of work when uh when you know some people on the staff aren't available and i have have to do a little bit more of the uh the heavy lifting but it's still fun we have we have a fun staff we have a little slack channel that we talk uh, about the the team we talk about soccer in general we'll watch the us men's national team and things like that and and we'll we'll just chat. We'll be watching champions league in the middle of the day and chatting about that. So it's, it's a good group of, of guys. And we'd like to add more female voices. We've had some women on the staff before, but right now it's all guys. And it's, it's a good group of, of writers. Uh, they work very well together and, um, yeah, they, they love Orlando city. And that's, that's basically all you need to write for our blog is a love of the team and understanding of the game a little bit. And you don't have to be a professional writer. You just, uh, if you could talk about what we always say is if you can talk about soccer, you can write about soccer.
1: Absolutely. So in speaking about it, let's talk about the 2022 Orlando City SC. Obviously, Nani was a very, very focal point in the Orlando City roster in previous seasons. He was an MLS All-Star and he was your captain and one of the marquee designated players in the league. He recently had left the club, but that opened up some designated player spots and you have acquired some new talent in 21 year old Fasundo Torres who's a former Penarol player who uh, Diego Rossi and Brian Rodriguez are familiar with he also Torres also represents Uruguay at the national level There is also another Uruguayan 20-year-old, Cesar Arajo, And there is also Servando Cara, who is from Austria. So (laughs) he uh, and he was, uh, these are three new additions to your club. Mm -hmm. So talk about that transition of losing Nani, but acquiring these three players, two of them, which are designated.
4: Yeah, the club decided to move on from Nani. uh, They did not uh, pick up his option. I'm not sure what the cost was on that option. They're, They're very opaque when it comes to, you know, anything having to do with contracts. So chances are he was owed a little bit of a raise, but also he's, you know, mid thirties. Uh, he's had some, uh, the way he plays, he gets fouled a lot and toward the end of the season, those, those fouls and those little, those little knocks add up. And he has tended to fade down the stretch. So the team wanted to get younger hearted ways with Nani, uh, they lost uh, Chris Mueller in the off season. Uh, he had, had signed last year with the Scottish Premier League team and uh, Daryl DK, of course, famously uh, was sold uh, to West Brom. So there, there were that basically they had to rebuild the entire attack and it took some time this off season to get all the, the deals done. They were able to bring in uh, Faku Torres and, um, Erjan Kara, John And these are guys that were really just starting to find out who they are, uh, the first four games, uh, Torres had finally started to to show what he could do. Got a, uh, an assist and then a goal in his last two games. Now he's off to uh, international duty, so he won't be with us for the Portland game. But he may be back in time for LAFC. I think they play the Tuesday night before the uh, before the game. So it just depends on how quickly he can get back into the country and and uh, back into training. So we we hope to have Torres back for the LAFC game. And and Cara we were a little worried that he would get called up. He didn't get called up this uh, particular window. So he's, he's staying and he'll be uh, good to go. Assuming everything goes well in the Portland game. Uh, And then this uh, kid, this U22 initiative kid, Cesar Araujo from Uruguay has been of the newcomers. I mean, he's a defensive midfielder, so he's not really facilitating the attack, but he has been an amazing find. He is been by far the best I would say the best newcomer so far consistently in the first four games now Kara did suffer a a preseason injury he uh, sprained his ankle in one of the early preseason games he missed a really big chunk of preseason and was really only getting back into it the first two weeks he had to come off the bench uh, for like the last 20-30 minutes he wasn't able to go the full 90 so he's just now getting into form and um we really love what araujo's brought to the team he's uh, he's sort of a box to box midfielder but he can also be a stopper when he's asked to be a stopper he he just compliments whoever he's with so well whether that's uh, another box to box guy like junior urso or if sebas mendez is in the game and and playing uh you know that six role uh, araujo's perfectly capable of playing really anywhere in the central midfield so it's been great having him but the team still hasn't found its its real scoring rhythm yet. Uh, just four goals in in uh, four games. Uh, famously, should have been five. There was a a goal chalked off in the Chicago game that would have been the game winner from uh, Junior Urso that was erroneously taken off the board after video review. Uh, pro referees came out and said they would have rather had the goal stand, and we certainly would have rather had it stand as well. But this is just a part of of life in MLS. So. Uh, yeah that the attack is coming together slowly the defense has been very very solid and we knew that coming in because there really weren't a lot of changes there from a, a really good group good goalkeeper and that has has shown on the field with uh, three clean sheets in four games.
1: For our listeners who may not know the ins and outs of Orlando city, as well as you, who are some other players, some role players that we should be uh, aware of, uh, or potentially players that are up and coming,
4: right? Well, Mauricio Pereira is an important cog in the machine for Orlando city's attack. He's the uh, attacking midfielder. He's uh, an Uruguayan has uh, come over. uh, He's been with the team three years now. He was playing in the Russian league and He's a guy who can unlock a defense with a pass. Uh, with one pass, he can he can slip somebody in, and uh, he sees the field really well. Now, he is off to a little bit of a tough start this season, but when he's on his game, he is really strong on the ball offensively and, and is able to unlock defenses, like I said, with, with a single pass. He sees the game really well. He delivers a very accurate through ball, a very accurate uh cross. And, um, you know, we're looking for him to get a little sharper and get into, you know, fully, uh, in form, but he hasn't done that yet, but he's a guy to watch. He's a designated player right now, but he's, he's one of those guys that if Orlando city go out this midseason and find somebody they like, they can bring them in as a DP and buy him down with, um, you know, allocation money. So, uh, Pereira is one guy that people should probably know. And those two center backs, uh, Antonio Carlos might be the best center back in MLS that people don't know. He's a Brazilian mid-20s, getting, getting up toward his late 20s now. He's in the prime of his career. He just had a monster game in the game uh, against the Galaxy uh, with 14 clearances, and just he passes well. He's great with his feet. Uh, he doesn't score a lot of goals uh, on set pieces, which is what you know a lot of people get excited about with center backs, but he's just a really solid defensive player. His partner is a Swedish international named Robin Janssen, and he is uh, just a really solid lunch pail kind of defender. So those two guys in the middle really make things work. Of course, the goalkeeper Pedro Galese is the Peruvian international uh, starter, so uh, he'll miss this week against Portland but he should be back as well. And um one guy that you're going to see flying up and down the field is the right back from Brazil, Juan. And uh he's a guy who his he can make a lot of things happen. He can create chaos with his speed. He's not the best crosser, which costs Orlando some goals here and there, but he is uh, if he was a good crosser, he would be playing uh, maybe in the English Premier League, maybe in La Liga. He's that good. Uh, With all of the other aspects of the game that if he could just cross the ball a little more accurately, he would be, uh, you know, in the conversation for one of those jobs in uh, in one of the big leagues in Europe.
1: Sounds exciting. We definitely are looking forward to it. All time record right now between LAFC and Orlando. We've played three matches so far. LAFC has currently one win. Haven't lost to Orlando and there's two ties uh, all time. The most recent was a tie, and that was in the knockout stages of the MLS's back. And that was when Orlando City tied it at the death with Joao Mutinho, a former player for LAFC. And then we went to PK's, and famously Nani was the one who got the last PK for Orlando City to go in, and we ended up not moving into this tournament. So can you talk a little bit about Joao Mutinho and how he has been for Orlando City?
4: Yeah, joao has been a great uh, addition to the team. The problem he has had in Orlando is the same problem he had with LA, and that's staying healthy. He's uh, he's had some issues over the last couple of years, and and it's cost him quite a few games. But when he's healthy, he defends pretty well. He's a good crosser of the ball. He reads the game very well, uh, and ends up uh, you know facilitating the attack, which is what Oscar Pareja needs from his fullbacks. And he can even play back in times. When Juan goes forward, it sort of becomes a three-man back line for Orlando City with the two center backs and, and Joao playing on the left side, while Juan is, is basically an extra wing on the right side. So uh, Joao's played really well. He's a really good crosser of the ball. Probably could use a little more offense from him, but uh, his his opposing fullback is up the field so often, he doesn't get a chance to go up the field as much as he would probably like to, but he's almost always one of the guys on the field who's touched the ball the most for Orlando City. He's, he's been a really uh, good player and it's just unfortunate that he hasn't been able to stay healthy.
1: This past weekend, you guys played our rivals, the LA Galaxy and it was a 1-0 victory and uh, that victory came in the ninth minute and you guys were able to get the lead and you held on. What were some of the things that went right in that match and what, if any, changes do you expect to be implemented against LAFC?
4: Well, the thing that went right was the the team was able to get the lead because uh, it was always going to be a matter of uh, playing a defensive road game and uh, you know, Oscar Pereja put an extra central midfielder on the field and took off Alexander Pato, uh, so it was a little bit of less offense on the field so it was always going to be a, about absorbing pressure and looking for a chance to counter and they were able to do that early in the game, counter and get a, a goal from Facu Torres and uh, once they had that 1-0 lead they didn't have to take chances with the ball. They were able to basically just be conservative. And although the Galaxy had about 70% possession and 20 shot attempts, there weren't that many clear-cut opportunities for Chicharito or Cabral or, or Costa. They were they were kept to the edges mostly and and to the top of the box. There wasn't anything really dangerous in front. So uh, it was a good defensive game concentration for 90 plus minutes from everyone, uh, a good team effort. So that's kind of what went right. Now at home, I would expect Orlando city to probably play. uh, I wouldn't say too dissimilarly to that, but I would expect uh, the normal attacking players to be on the field. So of course, we'll have to wait and see when the internationals come back. When do they get in? Uh, how much time do they have to, to rest and recover from, from being out? Because that will probably determine uh, the starting 11 for the LAFC game.
1: And what are your overall expectations for the match against LAFC?
4: Well, it would be nice to for Orlando City to get its first win against LAFC. That hasn't uh, happened yet. So I think the expectation is... Uh, that it'll be a, a close match uh, like the uh, MLS's back match. And it, it'll just be about trying to limit uh, the chances that guys like Carlos Vela have. Uh, and it's, that's easier said than done because he can create danger uh, at any I mean, you could shut him down for 89 minutes and he could still score two goals, one, you know, one at the end of regulation, one at stoppage time. So I think it'll be a tight game and Orlando City will be conservative in that game, I believe. I don't think they'll only sit back and look to counter. I think they will look to have some possession in this game and uh, and look to to try to worry LAFC's back line. So that, that's kind of how I see that coming up. But uh, a, a, again, it will be it'll just be a little bit dependent upon what personnel are available for the game.
1: Yeah. I think that we also have a similar issue with having five of our players being called up to, uh, to play for their national teams, especially some of the players, uh, the more key ones like Max Cropot coming in for Canada. Um, And so I think that it will be interesting too, for us to necessarily see what the lineup looks like and who is, who is available for this match. But I think it's going to be exciting one. I think that there is a little bit of sour grapes in some of the LAFC fans mouth because of how the MLS is back tournament ended, especially when you looked at how dominant LAFC had been and how many goals they had scored in that appearance to then be knocked out. Uh well, first to have the tie by a former player and then to be knocked out in PKs. It was just, it was such a um, discouraging way to bow out of that tournament that I think that there's a lot of LAFC fans and players that are looking for a little bit of, of a revenge game.
4: <laughs> That's a we I that's kind of funny <laughs> from an Orlando City perspective that's funny because it was it, it's a flip of the coin it's a tough way to lose a match for sure um but you don't uh, what a lot of people don't realize because they they think about the shootout and that they lost the shootout is that that game was a draw Orlando City has still never won in this series it was a it was a draw in MLS's back and 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 Orlando City just happened to win the coin flip so to speak and and move on uh after the shootout but um other than that LAFC has had really very little trouble with Orlando city. So it's, uh, you know, this is, I think a big game for both teams. Um, and, and Orlando city is coming into this. They, they have a loss. LAFC is, is flying high again. So it, I think to me, Orlando city is the underdog and they're going to probably take that mentality into the match.
1: Well, you know what? For being an underdog, your team has done well for the last two seasons, making playoff appearances. Now, you now guaranteed. Last, uh, granted, last year they had uh, the early loss in the first round against Nashville, but still, that's two consecutive playoff appearances in a row. Whereas LAFC obviously missed that mark last season. So, what are your overall expectations for Orlando City as a whole this season?
4: That's a good question. We we had this in our our preseason roundtable, and I think that most fans expect this team to make the playoffs and to you know, to make a deep run. I don't necessarily share that because I think with the current roster, uh, granted the coach is good. The defense is good. The goalkeeper's good. They really are, are counting on some new guys to come in and acclimate to the culture, acclimate to each other, acclimate to, acclimate to the league. And all of the difficulties that there are with mls the travel, the different climates in this country, as opposed to most countries you go to there's, you know, every all parts of the country are in one climate. You know, for for the most part around the world, um, different elevations, the travel, everything is uh, is different, and it it's not always easy to adjust to. Now, we've already seen Cesar Rajo looks like he's adjusted to it already. Torres looks like he's coming to that point. Cara still needs to get to that point. Cara hasn't uh, contributed a goal yet. He's uh, he has assisted on one. Uh, but he still hasn't put the ball in the net. And when you have a designated player at striker, you expect that to happen. So I think offensively, this team is going to struggle at times. I think there are some depth issues at certain positions. Uh, so I'm my thought is this is kind of a team that's in that sixth or seventh place in the east finishing position unless everything really gels. And uh, and that could even be like a player coming in in midseason uh, and and pushing the team over the top I think this team will be competitive all year but there everybody else in the east it seems like got better uh, and they were already a team that was uh, playing a road playoff game last year so I I think that will continue and it it will be up to Orlando City to stay healthy and to try to get those new players in the attack um, all gelling and that includes Alexander Pato who Basically spent last year on the injured list the entire year. He was hurt in the opening game and, and only got on the field a few times as a sub late in the year. So uh, those, those pieces all have to come together and they have to perform because if they can't replace the goals that they lost with Nani and Daryl DK, then they're not going to finish high in the, in the East.
1: Very true. But I do think that Orlando is going to have, I mean, all that really matters is getting into to the to the playoffs, right? And you look at NYCFC and how they made that run out of the fourth place team. Um, and you even look at the supporter shield winners in the New England Revolution and how they're kind of struggling this season. So I think that uh, you know, given some of the some of the play and things like that, I think that Orlando does look like to be in a good position, especially making the playoff runs. And that's all that really matters is actually making it to the playoffs. And then at that point it's it's winner go home.
4: Yeah, you get in and anything can happen. Uh, I think um, Orlando certainly could have used a, a home game in the playoffs last year. And, and I think sometimes teams can overcome those things and sometimes they can't. Orlando did not play very well in that game at Nashville uh, last year. And, you know, they went home early. But uh, the year before, I think it helped them being at home against New York City. Uh we'll see what happens this year. It's again, you get in anything can happen, but if you get in and you're at home, uh it's it's a little bit easier. Maybe it's not easy, but it's a little bit easier, I think.
1: Of course, having that home home advantage with the supporters and things like that, and no travel, of course. Um, but again, this has been Michael Citro. Thank you very much for coming on. Again, he's the managing editor for the Mainland, which is the SB Nation coverage for Orlando City SC. You can follow the Mainland at the Mainland M A N E L A N D on Twitter. And uh, Michael, again, thank you very much. We look forward to the matches coming up, and we uh, look forward to having you guys on again.
4: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was fun. Appreciate it. Thanks.
1: And we'll be right back after a short break. Hey, this is John Thorrington and you're listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast.
0: All right, gentlemen, we've been all prepared for this upcoming match versus Orlando. It is time for predictions. Uh, since I <clears throat> nailed it <clears throat> on last week's prediction, I'm going to go ahead and take a backseat and let you all tell me what's going to happen in this match.
2: I'm calling a 2-1 LAFC victory. And I think it's going to be at the death.
0: Let's let's look We're, at this. Hold, hold up, hold up. Who are your goal scorers? Come on, hold on. Who all right, your goal,
2: scorers? goal scorers. I'm going to say Rayito and Opoku. And I think Pato is going to score at, at Orlando.
1: So let's look at this, right? Orlando has just had a draw against Portland. It was a 1-1 and Portland tied in the 80th minute. Previous to that, they beat the Galaxy. We talked about that with Michael. That was all, that was amazing and then they lost to Cincinnati. Junior Urso and uh Fasi Torres were the ones that had scored the the two goals for Orlando and I just I think that they're going to have uh some players that may not be available due to the international travel and things like that. I kind of feel like I'm going to get my clean sheet that I didn't get from last week when uh when we played Vancouver. So I'm going to say that LAFC is going to win on a one zero, one one zero victory. And the one goal is going to come from Carlos Vela.
0: All right. All right. Sunshine and rainbows from you both. Um, I think it is inevitable that LAFC lay an egg at some point in time this season with Acosta coming back from international duties. I, I just, the cross country travel, the fact that we've had to go to Florida, back to California, some players away on international duty that haven't been able to train with the team. We're going back to Florida. I think the travel, the call-ups, I think this is the game where we take one on the chin. And I hate to do it, but I think LAFC are going to drop points in this game. I I do think this is going to be our first L of the season.
1: No, no, no. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why it's not going to happen. Cuz we play the Galaxy a week after that. We need to have our guys running and and they're playing well and they know that the derby is going to be coming up on the 9th at Dignity Health Sports Park and that was a point of contention when we uh when the 3252 had their meeting and Hulu had made mention of the fact that LAFC needs to win at at Dignity Health Sports Park, and that they need to come out and win. So if we were to come off of a loss, that's not the kind of momentum we need. So I don't think that this – I agree with you that at some point, LAC has to drop points. It's bound to happen. I just don't think that it's going to happen the week before the Derby.
0: And this is, uh, I think uh, it's going to happen for that very reason. I think this team is already looking to Carson, and I think we're going to probably rest – a few people versus Orlando to make sure that we have the healthiest squad when we head down to Carson. So I think once again, we're going to see some roster rotation going into this game. And I think the game is going to end one, one. I think we're going to get a draw and I think LAFC will walk away with one point in a game that they probably should have won. Hey, you uh, or let...
2: got... Did you say they were going to lose?
0: Well, look, I'll walk it back. back. (laughs) Only because uh, in their last match, Orlando was up a goal and up a man and still managed to give up a goal late in that game so that they lost points. Um, And I think once again, it's going to be a random player that steps up for LAFC, someone we haven't seen a whole lot from, which is why I'm going to go ahead and predict our goal is going to be scored by Raito. Uh, And I think they're going to catch a set piece or a random deflected ball or just a a a stroke of luck from outside the box that's going to get them their one goal and and i'll walk it back i'll walk it back and say that 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 we get a one one tie and walk away with one point from this game because we're already looking to carson look this
2: is this I'll, i'll make a case for why i think lafc even though they have international players um they're not gonna really lose that much maybe in the midfield a little bit but you're gonna have Palacio still being able to play left back. So he put Hollingshead on the right. Our center backs are still in place. Cripo didn't really play. So it's just the travel. Uh, he might not start. So let's, let's get the backup in there. That's fine. In the midfield, we have Elie Sanchez still. We have Blessing. We probably won't have um, uh, Sifu back. So I think that's one of the variables that we're gonna to have to f- solve for. But then our front line is there. We have Tajuri Shroudi as well to be able to get in there at the top three. So to me, I don't think the team is that shabby. If anything, if you told any MLS team that this is a team you're getting at the beginning of the season in terms of starting 11, they'd probably be happy. Um, And Orlando, like it was mentioned, there are some players that they're missing. Uh, They're missing their goalkeeper because of Peru. So I, I think a coin flip, maybe a tie, is probably more feasible, but so those are some of the reasons why I think and I feel confident that I think I think Rayito is going to score the winner, but I do think Mahala is going to be that spark offensively that we need to create some havoc.
0: I love it. I, I wouldn't put it past Opoku to step up and have himself a game. I wouldn't put it past ITS to show up and have himself a game. Arango's still coming back from health. Vela already having a lot of minutes. I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of minutes from either of them you know, we still have yet to see Chicho and Vela, I think, take the pitch at the same time. So I, you know, look, if I'm, if I'm Dolo, I'm not even putting Vela on the plane for this game. I'm leaving him at home to get ready for Carson. uh, And I'm starting a front three. That is some combination of Raito, Chicho, Tijuri, Shradi, and Opoku. Um, And I would just, let vela get ready to dominate carson and, and that way he's 100 percent ready to go and if if that means you drop a couple points so be it um then again you know look we could come out and destroy them like four to one and i'll look like an idiot and i hope i hope that's the case gentlemen do we have any final thoughts for episode 112 before we call it a show
1: no i just want to you know have everybody also know that uh if you're ever interested in coming on telling your story uh, again, please reach out to us at lafcs 2s 2s uh, We would love to hear it. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a reason that they became LAFC fans, and we would love to hear your reason why. And especially any of our international listeners, some of us that have been listening to our podcast uh, across the waters in, in Europe and in Spain, and well, Spain is part of Europe, but in Europe and in other parts of the world, please, by all means, uh, you know, reach out to us. Let us know. We'll get you on.
0: Yeah, we have listeners in Africa, we have listeners in Australia, New Zealand, Asia. we have listeners in the Far East as well too, we would love to hear from you. If you check into this show week in and week out, and have been following us for 112 episodes and have yet to take us up on the offer, that email is Jonathan, Chris, or Christian at LAFCS2S.com. You can DM us from any of our social media accounts. Yes, we respond to those. We would love to have you on this show. Even if we got to bring in a translator, we will make it happen. All right. Sorry, Christian. I stole your thunder.
2: Not at all. No, I was going to say Asia, but you said the Far East, which is where the listens come from. So appreciate the support from abroad, always. We don't know if it's from a military base or there's truly some someone in Korea or Japan um, or I think in Hong Kong that really liked the show and follow the MLS for whatever reason and chose LAFC. But for whatever reason, you do listen to us, please uh, give us a shout out and then we'll shout back and we'll have you on.
0: You heard it. Join us at LAFC 2s With that, folks, that'll wrap us up for episode 112. We would like to send our thanks to Connor Colopsis for joining us as our guest this week. And of course, to Michael Citro for joining us as our opponent correspondent. We will see you all at the bank, but until next time. Take us home sticks show up to show up together this our
3: culture been a force up a supernova stay flying at FC Dorsum. hey shopping down the nicky's korea town lady keep us mommy about to drop her
4: fit. they won't need to stop but i ain't come to my house I defend that bank